Now, once again, I only have 100 handouts. Nothing's changed in the past couple of days on that. Um, so you're welcome to have one or share them up among family or however you can do it. If you didn't get any of the handouts that have been handed out thus far or today and would like to have one, uh, you can give me your email address in a legible form, and I'll be glad to send you those. Or if you don't have email, snail mail address will work. U.S. Postal Service still delivers and fairly economically when you travel around the world, in spite of our often complaints. Don't forget, though, please don't leave anything behind. We have to leave the area clean. It's part of the, the uh, way that the permit has continued to be issued here, so please don't leave anything behind, any trash or paper, anything like that. Let's look uh, to the book of Proverbs in chapter 2. I'll read from chapter 2 and verse 1. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment, and preserveth the way of his saints." Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward or perverse things who leaveth the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the frowardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, and they froward or perverse in their paths, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth, and forgetteth the covenant of her God." For her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. That thou mayest walk in the way of good men, and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. I call this passage of Scripture, Seek and Hide. Seek and Hide. Now, I noticed on the handout, which is not uncommon for me, I made a little mistake maybe in the way that it was printed. I kind of wanted it to be, you know, in a sort of a book form where it would fold in and fold out. This particular outline and handout, as you'll notice, if you have it, only has one side to it, the other the rest of it's blank. 
but maybe I'll take that as providential. For you young folks who are here, maybe you're just new to the game or new to the race, to use the metaphor that's being uh, presented to us. Let me make a suggestion to you. The reason why maybe that sheet of paper, if you have it, is blank is it's left there for you to record things on it. Now, we have to sometimes change terminology to make it current. When I used to talk about a tablet, it meant something different than what commonly it means today. And yet, I still suggest to you, particularly the younger ones that are here, whether that be young in age or young in the faith, that two of the best tools that will aid you in studying and learning the Word of God, well, I used to say a pen and a piece of paper. But it can be in whatever form you like. Again, if you've got a smarty pants phone, you can use that. Or if you've got a tablet, whether it be a piece of paper tablet or one of the other forms of tablets electronically that are available today. Something to record your thoughts. A.P. Gibbs is quoted as having said, Thoughts are like birds. If you don't cage them, they'll fly away. And you need some way, as you're reading through the Bible, besides your devotional reading, as we sometimes call it, when you just read to read, which is good. You've got to familiarize yourself with the text of Scripture. You've got to familiarize yourself with the with uh, the stories of Scripture and what's in the text. But as you do that, you also want to begin to observe the text and interact with the text. And in order to do that, you need to have some way to record your thoughts as you go along, to take notes, to ask questions, to put down things that maybe you want to look up later, as you move through the text of Scripture. I pass that on to you because that is a tremendously uh, beneficial tool in Bible study. There is, no, um, there is no way around it, if you will. There's no workaround for that. It's still a matter of getting into the text, observing what God has said, and beginning to make your notes Record your observations. You'd be amazed if you go over those. Even years later, some of the things that I recorded in early days I've gone back and looked at, and it's amazed me how much I saw, even from some of the very simple studies that I initially did when I was saved in the Word of God. Now, I did make one addition in this particular handout when I said at the beginning that saw that. Uh, Proverbs 2 may be an acrostic, that is, the 22 letters of the alphabet. We do have 22 verses here in our English Bible, but as I've done a little research on that, I've not really been able to 100% verify that, so I put that little caveat in that handout because I don't want to say it if it's not so. There are acrostics in Proverbs, the chapter that has to do with the virtuous woman is one. This one may be one. Some say it is. Others say it's not. Anyway, if it is, that's a very interesting thing and very suggestive because putting things in an acrostic form like that, that is beginning 
or containing the letters of the Hebrew alphabet and moving through that in that way was an aid to memorization. And may I suggest to you that as we get into this chapter that has to do with seek and hide, memorization is also important. Now you talk about great cloud of witnesses, Joe, and older men, and there was a man that I esteemed much in the faith. I came to know him when I first got saved. He taught a Bible study in a particular institution of which I was confined at the time. And uh, he was an old man then, and he just got older, you know, as years went by. He went to be with the Lord when he was 97. And I used to often joke about him. I said, you know, he, he slowed down a bit, 97. And at the age of 97, he was only going into the jails and prisons five days a week instead of six. You know, you've got to trim back a little bit when you're 97. But I learned so much from that man. It wasn't just things that he taught me in the sense of saying, now look, I want you to know this. But I saw his example. I saw an example of a man who gave himself to the study of the Word of God. I saw an example in him of a man who it appealed to me and what may be my particular gift set, if you will, of, of moving through books of Scripture, chapter by chapter, of laying a foundation for me not on subjective things or how I felt or emotional feelings, but laying a foundation for me that was grounded in the Word of God and what God had to say in His truth. That would stand me good regardless of what I felt like. And so he used to come into the Bible study in this particular place, and he had a little box which was from a Schofield Bible he had. I didn't even know what that was at the time, but he had one of those Bibles, you know, we used to say it was big enough to choke a mule. So he had this big empty box, and he had all these little cards where he had Scripture verses on them cut up in there, and he'd shake it around like that and walk around the room, and he'd say, Take one. And he'd say, Well, what's that for? And he'd say, Well, I want you to memorize a verse. And so people would often say, but I'm not good at that. I can't memorize. And he'd say, well, what's your phone number? Or better for us, what's your prison number? <laughs> 036-694. Well, you can memorize one verse then if you can memorize that number. Of course, then he had you. Because once you memorize one, then he said, well, you memorize one, you can memorize two. And on it went. And so in those early days, not as patting myself on the back, but just passing on to you, whoever wants to jump in, but the young folks particularly, I memorized all 96 verses that were in the A.P. Gibbs Personal Evangelism Emmaus Bible Correspondence Course. I memorized chapters and, and hundreds of verses. And you know what I find that after 30 years or so, many of the verses that I use in preaching today for memory are those same verses that I memorized 30-plus years ago. And you know, he used to tell me, he would say, memorize while you're young, it'll get harder when you get older. Now, I suppose when I get older, maybe I'll find that to be true. But, but you know, I thought at the time, I don't, I don't get it. What do you mean? How could it be any harder? <laughs> well, guess what? 
That older gentleman knew what he was talking about. The hard drive gets crammed after a few years. And you try to defrag, but it just, you know, it doesn't quite work. And so, while you're young, hide the Word of God in your heart and in your mind. Memorize it while you're young. It'll do you good in later life. And so we come now to this passage in the book of Proverbs that begins with this exhortation. My son, if thou wilt receive my words. You notice throughout this section or this chapter, and you may want to mark it in your Bible, that it begins with a condition, if, a conditional clause. There are several of them that are stated. Verse 1, if you will receive my words. Verse 3, if you cry after knowledge. Verse 4, if you seek her as silver. And then from the condition flows from that the result or the benefits, which in my Bible begin with the word then. You'll notice it in verse 5. Then shalt thou understand. Verse 9, then. Verse 10, it's when. And in verse 20, it's that. The other results that are listed are found in verse 12 and verse 16. In order to accomplish something, this will be a result. It will deliver thee from this. It will deliver thee from that which is listed in verse 16 as well. Now, we remember that one of the things that I mentioned last night, at least I hope we remember, is that when we're talking about the book of Proverbs in general and its motto or theme, how to live life skillfully, it begins with, a, with the heart, really. It is a spiritual issue. It's not just a matter of having a certain skill set. It's a spiritual issue that, that must take place in the heart. It begins with the right relationship with the Lord. It is expressed in Old Testament terminology this way, the fear of the Lord. Is the beginning of wisdom. Respect for God's authority, submitting ourselves unto Him. In the language of the New Testament, we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is wisdom, in whom are found all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and who is salvation. We come to the Lord Jesus, and we acknowledge Him, and we confess Him, as we've even thought sometimes as we confess Him with our mouth and believe on Him in our heart that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord. It's a spiritual thing that begins in the heart. And all of these exhortations about our daily life and our daily conduct are meaningless if our heart is not right and if we're not right with the Lord. Now, you'll, you'll find that in these early chapters of the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, 2, and 3 are no different up to chapter 9, but particularly in these early ones I noticed this, that the foundation is laid and then expanded upon and continued from chapter to chapter. You remember in chapter 1 and verse 20, last night I mentioned that there is this device that is used called personification. So that wisdom is not just a principle or not just a thing. Wisdom stands as a person crying out. So in chapter 1, you have wisdom crying out. Now in chapter 2, you have the student crying out. If thou 
will cry out, in verse 3, after knowledge. Now, I've talked to a number of you. I know that a number of you are involved with teaching at different levels. Some of you are involved in education in the public school system. Some of you are involved in Bible studies. I've already had a couple of ladies that came to me to tell me that they're teaching the book of Proverbs in different settings and contexts, which I find very exciting to hear. Some of you are involved in home education, homeschooling. So you're involved in teaching at different levels. Listen, what if you had this situation? A teacher that's just itching to teach and a student that is just crying out to learn. What happens if you get a teacher that's just eager to, do, to impart knowledge and wisdom, and then you get a student who is just desirous and crying after uh, learning, and those two come together, well, there's, there's learning going to take place, isn't there? There's something that's going to take place. And so you see the balance again here in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom crying out as the teacher. Hey, come this way. Learn. And now, the part of, on the part of the student. For the student to cry out. And so in chapter 1, you have the warnings. In chapter 2, you have the blessings. In chapter 1, wisdom is seeking. In chapter 2, the student is seeking. In chapter 1, you have wisdom's part. And then in chapter 2, you have our part. If the conditions, then the results win in verse 10. The benefits of seeking wisdom. Now, here's an interesting thing to me, too. It seems that in this chapter of the book of Proverbs, the benefit of seeking after wisdom, there is a benefit in it that comes just from the process just from the process, not just the finding of something, but the very process that is involved in seeking to discover. I don't mean to say this in any demeaning or derogatory way, because I really believe God speaks, as he says in the book of Titus, through the preaching of his word. I am amazed at what Romans chapter 10 says, how beautiful are the feet. That for whatever reason and purpose, God has chosen human instrumentality to communicate His message. And it's a wondrous thing to be involved in any level at that process. In whatever degree you are, in whatever context and setting, it is an amazing thing. And yet sometimes... Have you ever heard the expression regurgitated truth? <laughs> you know what we mean by that? That the person who's delivering really, in a sense, is regurgitating that which already they have taken in. I know that sounds a little gross. But, but by that I mean one of the great blessings of preaching and teaching the Word of God that I find is that you know you've got to get into it yourself and dig. And it's a process, isn't it? But there's a wonder to the very process of it. 
I don't know if you've ever done this, and let me just say this as well as we get into this passage. There are different degrees and levels of what I call output. When I first got saved, I hadn't been saved I hadn't been saved hardly a year, a little bit more. I couldn't understand for the life of me why everybody didn't want to learn Greek and Hebrew and, and study passages of Scripture and exegete, you know, the book of Ezekiel. I came to realize that there's different gifts that people have. There's different levels of output. There's different levels of intake. We all need some, but those that are giving out seem to need a higher capacity for intake, if you will. It doesn't excuse any, because the Word of God is our bread, it's our food, it's our life in that sense, and our source of growth. But I say that to say, I'm sure some of you may have experienced what it is sometimes to study for hours a passage of Scripture. To study for hours a verse of Scripture. To study for hours a word that you find in a verse of Scripture. And maybe to do that for hours and come away still thinking, I I'm not sure I yet have it, but wow, it was good to get in there and, and get at it. There's a blessing even in the process of the digging and the seeking and the interacting with the Word of God and the praying and asking the Lord, show me, reveal me, show yourself to me, Lord Jesus. You know, if you look for the Lord Jesus in the Word of God, you won't be disappointed. A number of years ago, I did a study on the book of Revelation. I was sharing this with some folks. There was a year in my life where I thought, you know, there's three books in the Bible that I don't know that well and I really want to know better. And they were the book of Hebrews, the book of Zechariah, and the book of Revelation. So I determined that year, besides the other reading and the other preaching and studying and whatever else I did, that every day I would, I would read those books. Every day. Now, not the whole book in its entirety each day, but every day for that year I read Hebrews, Zechariah, Revelation, besides my other reading. I don't know how many times I read them. You know, one of the first times I remember giving a series on the book of Revelation... I won't say I didn't touch on the prophetic theme, but I preached a series of messages on the book of Revelation, the character of God as revealed in the book of Revelation. Now, you may think the book of Revelation is a closed book, but that denies the very title of the book. For that word apocalypse, which is where we get our English word revelation, means an unveiling. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me suggest this to you. If you never come to an understanding of who the eighth toe on the left foot of the beast is in the book of Revelation, it's not that the symbols aren't important. It's not that the, 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 the pictures that God has placed there aren't important. But if you never come to an understanding of those things, you read the book of Revelation in this way. Look for the Lord Jesus Christ. Go through each of those chapters and see what you see of Christ. 
you will not be disappointed. And so there's a value in the process of this search into the Word of God. The, it begins with the desire. My son, if you will receive my words. It has to do with our attitude. An attitude that somehow grasps hold of the concept that there is nothing more important than the Word of God. There is no substitute for the Word of God. There is nothing that will do the job better, more efficiently, or more effectively than the Word of God. You know, Paul, in his last closing words in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, said there, were going to, there was going to come a time in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the time will come, he says, when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now, some of you drove a long ways to get here, and if you have younger children, you'll know one of the questions that they ask. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? When you read Paul's letter and he says the time will come, are we there yet? Now, he wrote that almost 2,000 years ago or whatever it was. Do you think we've got to wait another 2,000? It had already set in when he was alive. He says the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They will turn away their ears from the truth. Timothy, I charge you before God, preach the Word. They won't want to listen. Preach the Word. They'll turn away from the truth. Preach the Word. There's no substitute for the Word of God. There's nothing more vital. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Endure the afflictions that come along with it. Nothing more important than the Word of God. No substitute for God's Word. Determination. If you will receive my words, if you will hide my commandments with thee. Hide it like a treasure. Listen to what chapter 4 says in the book of Proverbs. Chapter 4 and verse 4. Let thine heart retain my words and keep my commandments and live. Chapter 4 and verse 8. Exalt her wisdom. She shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. Verse 13, take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You want a challenging study, young folks? Get in the book of Proverbs and just start tracing the word heart. And look at see what the book of Proverbs has to say about the heart. Treasure the word of God. Hide it. Store it up. Value it. And I'll tell you another reason why you need to do that. It's not all immediately used. And it builds upon itself as you store it up. Sometimes as you sit and listen to messages, you think, well, I don't know if I'm getting anything out of this. I've been there. It's not all immediately used. But it builds, and we store it up. 
And we hear it first in almost an academic sense, the facts, what's being said, and then somehow it penetrates into the mental attitude, and then it has to work out into the volition or the will of our lives. So we hide it, and we store it up. There's a discipline that's involved, Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 2. If you incline your ear unto wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. You get in charge of the intake. You know what this implies is that there's a waywardness to the ear and to the heart. You're going to have to turn your ear toward wisdom. You'll have to take charge of what you listen to. You'll have to take charge of what goes into the system, into the hard drive. That takes a lot of discipline, doesn't it? There are a lot of things to take in out there. More and more bombarded are we with the media and with other forms of things that clamor for our attention. It'll take discipline if you want to grow and if you want to go deeper and develop your life in the things of God. Determination. Discipline. Incline your heart, your ear unto wisdom, your heart to understanding. Dependence. Crying out to God. Looking to Him to open this book. Help you to understand it. Help you to apply it. Lift up your voice for understanding. And it'll take diligence. Seek for her as for silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. You know, there's, there's one thing about treasures, be it gold, be it precious stones or whatever. You might scratch a few off the surface here and there, but most of them require a lot of digging. They're mined deep beneath the surface of earth and require a lot of energy to get at them. Now, here's the, one of the beauties of the Word of God to me. The Word of God is such that you can come along and scratch the surface a little bit and get something out of it. You know, you don't have to go very deep in that sense to get something out of it. But you scratch a little deeper, and you dig a little more, and you keep looking, and you keep mining, and it's an inexhaustible mine of truth. You'll never exhaust it. The deeper you get into it and the more you dig and the more you cry and the more you apply and the more you seek to live it out, the more you get. There's no other book like that. I got a few favorite books, secular books, that I, that I read occasionally. I've got one that I pick up just because I like it. It wouldn't appeal to most folks. be kind of corny to some. But... Um, it did win a Pulitzer Prize back when. It's called The Yearling. And the reason why I like it, partly, is because it was about things that took place in the area of Florida in pioneer days near where I live. Now, I've read it I don't know how many times. Occasionally, I'll pick it up and I'll read a favorite chapter or two. I doubt there's anybody in here who's read one secular book more than five or six times. There may be a handful of you. But this book, you read it and read it and read it. And I'm telling you, one of the testimonies of the clouds of witnesses is it just gets gooder and gooder and gooder. 
<laughs> I mean, it just gets better, doesn't it? And I tell you, as much as I love the testimony of young people, the camps that I'm involved in from time to time and other youth groups and things like that, I love to hear the testimony of those who've just gotten saved. It's exciting. But I'll tell you, I love to hear the testimony of what I call the seasoned saints. Those that have been through the fire for many years. Those who have suffered. Those who have held fast. Those who have gone on. And I love to hear them and them express their love for the Lord Jesus and their love for the, for the Word of God. That helps me because if I get older one day, i got something to look forward to. Now, Joe mentioned the other day a fellow in the Scripture, and I'm going to mention him again. He's one of my favorite characters in all the Word of God, and he's found in the book of Samuel. I'm going to close with this. He's found in the book of 2 Samuel. I think it's chapter 22. Let me get my barons. Chapter 23. Chapter 23. I like him for one reason, because of all he had to overcome. His name was Eliezer. He was the son of Dodo, the Ahohite. So all his life he had to live with the fact, who are you, son of Dodo? <laughs> he was one of the three mighty men. It's, it's 2 Samuel 23, 9. When they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and people returned after him only to spoil. He stood there and fought those Philistines until his hand locked to that sword. They had to pry it off. I say he's the first one that came up with the slogan, You can have my sword when you pry my dead cold fingers off of it. But what's the beautiful thing to me about it, and I'll tell you another study, you look up that word claved. Hezekiah cleaved to the Word of God. He clung to that sword to the point that he and the sword were inseparable. And if I can borrow this just as an illustration, that's the way we ought to be with the Word of God. We ought to be so identified with the Word of God that we're inseparable in that sense. And people know us as people of the book. Men and women and young people of the book. What an example in this man. To become so identified with the Word of God that you and the Word of God are one in that sense. May God help us as we seek and hide the truth of God's Word in our hearts. Let's look to Him in a word of prayer. Father, thank You for Your Word. If you were to speak from heaven today, you wouldn't say anything you haven't already said in this book. This is your mind unfolded. It is your heart revealed. It is your communication to us. We are so blessed to have it. And we've got it in such abundance and in every form. we got it on our phones, on our hips, on our, in our purses. We've got it in books. We've got it on CD, MP3, DVD. No lack of availability, O oh God, that we might use it. 
Read it. Study it. Hide it. Learn it. Love it. Live it. Communicate it. Share it. Oh, the blessing that comes as we do. Help us, we pray. And we give you thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.